Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. (laughs) I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The latest tips and equipment to improve your game. The latest from the leaderboards and your favorite courses. This is Golf in the Northwest, an action-packed hour about everything golf. Brought to you on the fan by Laurelhurst Market. More than just your family neighborhood steakhouse. Now with award-winning PGA professional Harold Bluestein. here's your host, Jason Swigard. And a fine good morning to everyone out there. As we uh, inch closer to college football coming back. Which means we've gotten an extended run here. Normally, we're well into Pac-12 football season. I'm into high school football season. But no, golf golf getting an extended run. So uh, we'll, we'll take you into October. Probably not going to get you all the way to the Masters. but uh, Well, we can get you to Halloween. Get you to Halloween, I think. Right. We can give you a little trick-or-treat. That's right. Well, you're not going to be able to do it out in the streets, according to the CDC. That's not. Uh, that's a, a high-risk activity here amongst the COVIDs. Yeah, I had heard that. Uh, so you're going to have to get one of those, uh, you know, those what? T-shirt gun things and uh-huh. load it up with candy and just have the kids oh, now that would be fun. hold up the sack out on the sidewalk at the street and right. just see if you can aim it in there from the porch. I'm going to look into that. It's, you, like, yeah. it's like a handheld mortar or something. Exactly. Yeah, just get the with the CO2 canister, a little pump action, and just uh, fire out the butterfingers to the sidewalk. Uh, Snickers, Milky Way. Okay, yeah. whatever. Butter, butterfingers is okay, but it's, you know, give me a Milky Way any day. There you go. Well, now we know uh, his candy of choice. So yep. I'm Hershey's special dark. I like the dark chocolate. I can understand it being special. No, no milk chocolate. Yeah. Oh, no, milk no. chocolate doesn't quite do it no. for me. No, 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 no. Dark chocolate. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, We got a busy, busy hour. Obviously, lots to cover with the U.S. Open last week, as well as the uh, Portland Cambia Classic. Uh, Georgia Hall winning there, her second uh, LPGA Tour victory. Bryson DeChambeau has been the talk of golf here over the last several weeks, and it all came together for him on Sunday at Winged Foot and has a lot of people's uh, heads spinning as to how he's gone about this uh, and the way he did it at winged foot 
you know, most unconventional style and has a lot of people scratching their heads about, okay, is this a real-life Happy Gilmore? Is he going to eventually hit a 400-yard drive that's not aided by slope or wind or conditions, that he just hits it 400 yards? I think that's what he's after. Uh, he's he's obsessed with hitting the ball as far as he can, and let's face it, uh, distance wins. And I don't care what era yep. in golf over the last 600 years, if you can hit it long, you have an advantage. So we'll we'll get into more about that. We'll yep. hear some of his post-round comments. Also, uh, Rory McIlroy, after uh, his U.S. Open, had some interesting comments as well. So we'll get into that discussion of is this good for the game? I don't know if it's necessarily good or bad, but I also don't know how much it will lead to everybody doing I don't think everybody can do this. I think that's different from what Tiger brought in was athleticism to golf. That made a boost right there. And now you look up and down all the young guys, the the Corn Ferry Tour and the young guys coming onto the PGA Tour. And whether you're five foot eight or six foot four, everybody has a similar lean, lanky, mm-hmm. sinewy strong look to them for the most part athletic yeah a lot like you and i well i've slimmed down yeah i'm going for that look it's a little too late for me though i've got the slim and uh i lack the lanky but i've been working on it okay i i'm sinewed that's true yeah we just need to put you on the rack a little more stretch out yeah that's not gonna happen i know you've got one in your dungeon so (laughs) i've tried hanging (laughs) from my ankles and uh, hanging from a door trying to get taller uh there are eras in golf and we are seeing a new era here yeah. And we'll get into talking about that. And we'll new see era. how pervasive, how long it may last. Uh, interesting conversation. We welcome your thoughts as well on the fan text line at 503-250-1080. You got a question for uh, Harold or uh, thoughts on what you saw from Bryson and where uh, the game might be going at its highest levels. Also, Mike Davis, uh, the CEO of the USGA, uh, made it public uh, that he will be stepping down next year. Uh, what that could mean if there's an opportunity for the USGA to start to, I don't know, make nice with the other big industries of golf or continue to see things their own way and be an albatross. It's it's a unique opportunity for them. But yeah. Mike Davis uh, uh, made a lot of headlines one way or the other, whether you like them or didn't. Well, personality counts in this case because – now with social media, everyone is under a microscope, and he I'm not sure that he navigated that as well as he could have. Uh, great guy, uh, worked his butt off for 30 years with the USGA, uh, now moving on. he's uh, He's been thinking about this for a couple of years, wanting to get out. He's not that old. He's only 55. He wants to get into a little golf course design. So everybody wants to get into golf course design after yeah. they leave their career. I don't know how many more golf courses we can design. I recommend they go back and redesign ones yeah. that have already been done, and we will talk about that because that will impact the era we're entering. No question. And we do have a guest in the business of golf. Frank Tallarico Jr. Uh, is the new uh, CEO of the Pacific Northwest Golf Association. No, Paci- no, Pacific Northwest chapter of the PGA. No, it's not a chapter. It's a <sighs> section. 
Okay. We'll work on well, it. Well, okay. Within so the piece, yeah, it's it's yeah. a section. The or- you're in charge of the Oregon chapter, right? which is one of the five chapters in the Pacific Northwest section Correct. of the PGA, and Frank Tellerico is now in charge of it, taking over for Jeff Ellison, who has uh, done quite a bit of service to the Pacific Northwest uh, for, the, for the golf industry. Yeah, 30 years of service, and uh, Jeff Ellison was... Uh, a master at, at running tournaments uh, for professionals uh, and doing what he could to make uh, PGA professionals more accessible to the public. Uh, I'd like to hear Frank's thoughts on that. So we'll talk to him at 845, uh, but lots to get to. So we start, as always, by going inside the ropes. It's time for an insider's look at the leaderboards, the latest on all tours, plus local golf events and golf news. This is Inside the Ropes, part of Golf in the Northwest. Uh, Three tours in action this weekend, including the European Tour. They are in Northern Ireland for the uh, Dubai Duty Free Irish Open three-way tie or two-way tie now. Top the leaderboard at seven under uh, Maverick Antcliffe, who's a young Australian. And Jazz Janawatananand uh, from Thailand, who's uh, 65th in the World Golf Rankings. He has spent time on the PGA Tour, uh, having himself around today. Five under through 14. He's tied at seven under. Dean Burmeester uh, and Aaron Rye uh, are uh, one shot back. So John Catlin, the young American who won a couple of weeks ago, got his first European Tour victory. He's trying to work his way up. He's in the mix, uh, tied for sixth at four under. So that's what's going on across the pond. Did you see uh, Patrick Harrington pick up half a tree and move it out of the way so he could hit his ball? No, is he working on uh, uh, World's Strongest Man? Is that going to be his next career now? No, but Magnuson. Uh, the European uh, Ryder Cup captain proves that the rules can be bent. You recall when, when Tiger had, yeah, all, had a bunch of people, bunch of people move in the gallery a big rock? move a giant boulder, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you have to say that that can be done, but the player has to do it himself. Okay. Instead of well, instead we know of Tiger's getting, not doing that because he'll throw out his back and never play again. Right, but okay. I thought that was an unfair advantage then to have a bunch of people determine that a boulder, if it can be moved by twenty people, is now an, a movable, you know, a loose mm. impediment. Then how come a half a tree is a loose impediment? I I think we had a problem there. It's not it's not affixed to the ground. I, it yes, correct. But how many people? Can you get oh. to help you move it? I don't know. If it's fanless, you got a problem. Well, whoever succeeds Mike Davis is going to have to deal with that. that oh, they be, got a lot of things. Should to be do. first on the priority list, right? Uh, the Corn Ferry Tour is in Wichita, Kansas, for the Wichita Open, supporting Wichita's youth and uh, Harold's favorite golfer on the Corn Ferry Tour. Taylor Pendrith in the lead at 13 under. Do you know why he's your favorite golfer on the? Ferry Tour. Yeah, he's a Kent State there Golden go. Flash. And uh, so is Mackenzie Hughes. 2012 class. Produced what's uh, what's with the Kent State pipeline to Canada? Uh, we're a couple hundred miles away from okay. it. Uh, the Canadians have always produced some good players. No and question. They've got a great program up there with, uh, with uh, what's his name, uh, Brunton. Uh, and I can't remember his first name. Harold. I think. <laughs> so sure. anyway, it uh, he uh, they produced a lot of good players, uh, a bit like uh, they did in Sweden, a bit like they did in Korea, not quite the same. 
but uh, developing some good players, and they do have a pipeline down to Kent State. So There you go. Well, Taylor Pendrick's yeah. looking for his first win. He's got a third and three seconds so far this season on the Corn Ferry Tour. He is uh, seventh in the uh, top 25 list coming in. Uh, so a victory will almost assure him of a PGA Tour card whenever we get around to doing that again out of Pumpkin Ridge. Uh, but uh, this would be, this is so he's been knocking on the door. He's ready to win on, on the Corn Ferry Tour. Yeah, and he showed it last week at uh, Wingfoot. Uh, tied for 23rd, uh, played well, and, and uh, said it was the most difficult golf he has ever played. Was happy to be even par, I guess, in the last round. He's uh, happy to be at a golf course where he can make some birdies now. And uh, they're making birdies. Uh, the PGA Tour is in the Dominican Republic, the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes, you speak of him. He's currently tied for fifth at nine under par. Everybody chasing Hudson Swafford uh, at 12 under. He's looking for a second PGA Tour victory. Uh, his first came the only other time he held a 36-hole lead, and that was at the 2017 American Express down in La Quinta. And so he's got a two-shot lead over Sean O'Hare, Luke List, Justin Sue. Uh, our favorite, Scott Harrington, the Portland native. He was a first-round co-leader at seven under. Uh, this is a course that he's performed. He holds uh, a share of the course record at 62 uh, when they played a few years back at a Corn Ferry Tour event, and he was cruising along till he got to the eighth hole yesterday, put it in the water twice, took an eight on the par four. Uh, if he could have that hole back, he'd be right in the mix, uh, tied somewhere in the top 10. So, But he knows he can go low on this course. When you've gone low and you know you can make birdies on a course, he was 14 of 14 hitting fairways in round one in that seven under round. You hope he can uh, find that form and just put that one hole out of his mind and see if he can uh, put another round like that together. Yeah, and he did say afterwards that he played as well as he's played in a very long time in that first round. Uh, and he even played well, except for that one hole. He played very well. well he got it back. He shot 32, uh, 33 or 32 on the back nine. 33 on the back nine. So uh, three birdies, no bogeys. Uh, uh, did quite well to bring it back. I think the uh, important thing for a lot of players, and I'm not saying he's a young player, but any player, is that if you do, if you do trip and fall, how do you respond to it? Uh, a lot of young players, a lot of inexperienced players, will go uh, quad, double, bogey, yeah. and then they're on the train and they can't get off of it. Uh, well, we saw Matthew Wolf do that on the back nine. Yeah, so that's unfortunate. We'll talk about that a little bit here, right? Or yeah. you want to do that right now? No, no, no. We're, we're going to get into that. That's what's going on uh, with uh, the PGA Tour. So this is a full FedEx uh, field event. Obviously, uh, a lot of the top players uh, after the U.S. Open electing to stay put. Uh, but uh, NBC, so KGW will have the coverage starting at noon today, noon to three. So uh, flip on over in between uh, your college football games you're watching. Uh, check out the action. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous, like if you want to go play resort golf, I can't imagine a better venue than what I've been watching for two days. It is it is pretty. and uh, I the, imagine wind can be an issue there. Well, absolutely, it will be an issue, and they haven't had much wind. Uh, kicks up in the afternoon, and I think that's probably where where Harrington had some problems. Where the ball got caught up in the wind and ended up ended up in the water. Um, yeah, this is a. I saw a hole in one. I was watching the coverage, yeah. and and I can't remember who had it. What uh, was it? Adam Long. 
Might have been. Uh, yeah. Uh, knocks one in from uh, 180. You know, par threes are so difficult, and professionals look at a par three as take your three and get out of there. Uh, and take yeah. take your chances on a short par four or definitely on the par fives. But uh, when par the wind th- comes up on a par three uh, and you're that close to the water, you've got a challenge. Yeah. All right. So that's what's going on with the PGA Tour. We'll come back. We'll go back to winged foot, the U.S. Open. Bryson DeChambeau blows away the field on Sunday. Uh, the only player at the top of the leaderboard under par for the round in red numbers for the tournament. He does it uh, in as unconventional fashion as we've seen uh, amongst the PGA Tour players in quite some time. We'll discuss uh, if he can keep this up and if it's good for the game or not. It's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. 818 here this morning. Jason Swigard here of Bluestein with you. Center and Saint following us. Then we've got uh, the Ducks uh, 2019, the OSN Classic. So we'll uh, take you through the 2019 season up until they get ready to start. That was the big announcement in the week, November 6th. Uh, the new schedule should be out sometime next week. Uh, and then uh, Game 5, Lakers-Nuggets tonight, 5.30 right here on the fan. That is the lineup. Coming up in 8.45, we're going to talk to the new CEO of the Pacific Northwest section of the uh, PGA, Frank Tallarico Jr., uh, succeeding Jeff Ellis, and get his thoughts on uh, how he sees the industry uh, from the professional standpoint here uh, coming out of COVID, hopefully eventually in, in moving into the 20s, the 2020s in that decade. But let's go back a week ago. Winged foot. Many were predicting the winning score to be plus four, plus five, the way that things were setting up, four, five-inch uh, rough uh, off the fairways. And Bryson DeChambeau was undeterred. He's going to mash it as far down there. And even if he's in the rough, if he's got a nine iron or one of his wedges, he figures he can control it better rather than being in the fairway but having to hit it 170 yards or so with a 7-iron, I don't know, 8-iron probably for him. Mm-hmm. But And then hoping he can hold that on the green. Uh, he averaged 314 yards off the tee, uh, and it left him an average. This is according to a st- or a article on, on golf.com. He had an average on the par fours and par fives, his approach shot, 56 approach shots of 130.21 yards, which uh, for him equates to a 53-degree wedge. And he has gone about this. He's bulked up. uh, He's changed his driver. He is swinging with as much fury as he can without falling over. And it's blown everybody away. Well, I... It's interesting that he did not lead the field in driving distance. So you have other players. Wolf, I think, actually led in driving distance. Yeah, and where where Duchambeau did well and won is that his approach shots were incredible. So in uh, shots gained, I mean, he only hit uh, 23 of 56 fairways. Right. um, Which is really not many at all. He, um, I have a stat here on his strokes gained, but in approach shots, it was off the charts. Uh, it wasn't first. I think uh, Zalatoris was, was first. Thir- I think he was third. Yeah, uh, which for him has always been a struggle. Yeah. And then he putted well. Um, 
He so talked. Here, I've got it here. Off the tee, plus 5.38 strokes gained. Approach, plus 6.98 strokes gained. And putting, plus 0.45, or 4.59 strokes gained. Um, so for off the tee and approach, he was third in the field. Putting, he was 18th. Uh, he only needed uh, 1.6 putts per hole uh, for greens and regulation. Mm-hmm. And so... It's it's just a different, and he has approached it. He's got the physics degree from SMU. He is incredibly technical uh, to a degree that I don't know. I don't know if there's an equivalent ever in the history of golf. Obviously, there are some players that have been all feel and instinct, and there are other players. Phil's kind of in the middle because we know the detail to which Phil analyzes a lie and what it's going to do. And if he uses a wet and the swing angle and the, the lot, you know, the angle of descent that hits the, he can analyze that all in his head. And he's talked about that, but he's still in some regards, kind of a feel and instinctual player. He just has more imagination than others. Whereas DeChambeau is incredibly analytical and technical in his approach. Yeah, he definitely is. I think they're two different cats. I think uh, Phil, Phil's focus has always been on the short game, uh, and he is—he does become more scientific in a sense. But as you said, he's more of a field player when it comes to those shots. Um, Duchambeau, everything's a math problem, and it's all designed to do one thing, and that is to make the sport easier for himself and for him to shoot the lowest score possible. Well, and he talked about that in his uh, U.S. Open uh, post-round press conference. Just he's his mind is always going. There's always going to be people that say things. There's always going to be people that do things. But no matter what, my focus and my message to everybody out there is each and every day that you're living life, try and make this day better than the previous day. Let today's garbage be better than yesterday. And the fans that have always been there, the supporters that have always been there, I, I can't thank you enough for everything that you have meant for me. You've kept me pushing the needle, moving the needle, and you're going to keep inspiring me too. So I really thank you for everything. I couldn't do it without you guys. He's an interesting guy. He's not warm and fuzzy. Uh, and, and, you know, think about guys in think tanks. Guys working at NASA, men and women working at NASA, where they're just their minds are always going on what's next and computing the next problem. And you wonder, is he enjoying it? I think he has a rich history of golf. Uh, I think he appreciates it, but he's just not warm and fuzzy and he's hard to sometimes root for. Well, that was a rare moment of humility when he thanked people other yeah. than himself. And, uh, because he is really self-centered. Uh, in some ways, that's what it takes to be a champion. We saw that with Tiger initially. Absolutely. And Jack Nicklaus. And, and every great player like that has a certain, um, you know. A drive. Yeah, it's, they're obsessed. A to singular be focus. Yep. And in order to get there. And so. Um, Warm and fuzzy doesn't come into the equation. No, not if you. You know, it's when you get to the top, it is lonely. Yeah. Especially if you distance the field in in a manner, you know, Tiger did for a while and the fishbowl finally caught up to him. It it comes down to who who do you root for? Yeah. And 
And as I'm watching the U.S. Open last week, I, you know, I'm yelling at the TV Noonan over <laughs> every one of Duchambeau's putts because I want him to miss. I, I really like uh, Wolf. I, I wanted to see him him do well, uh, and he did very well. He he deserves to hold his head up high yeah. for in his first attempt. Uh, at a U.S. Open, it it was well, tough. And and Deschambeau's just got, I mean, he's got some of the top players in the world shaking their heads on what's going on, including Rory McIlroy. I don't really know what to say because that's just the complete opposite of what you think a U.S. Open champion does. Um, look, they, you know, he's, he's found a way to do it. Um, whether that's good or bad for the game and... I I don't know, but it's just uh, it's not the way I saw this this golf course being played or this tournament being played, and um, yeah, it's just it's uh, I just can't really wrap my head around it. Yeah, and I can understand that because we're all victims of the information that we receive from around us, other people, and. We've been uh, the USGA uh, and the tour in general is trying to make the golf courses more difficult, um, f- and to try and rein back the distance issues off the tee, which they've never been able to do uh, fully. Um, but you're looking at a player like Rory, who has grown up into the game, has an appreciation for the history of the game, and has always thought that the U.S. Open, you had to hit fairways to have a chance to hit greens. Right. Duchambeau is saying, the hell with that. I'm going to hit it as far as I can and figure out how to hit it onto the green. And I'm going to have an advantage because I'm hitting a wedge and you're hitting an eight iron. And I don't care whether I have to do it from the rough or from the fairway. I'm going to do it my way. And that really changes the way we are going to be thinking about golf. Well, and he's not, he's not satisfied with what he's doing yet. I'm not going to stop. Um, next week, I'm going to be trying a 48-inch driver. We're going to be messing with some head designs and do some amazing things with, with Cobra uh, to make it feasible to hit these drives, hopefully 360, 370, maybe even farther. We don't know. Yeah, um, well, like we've said, he's a, he's a, uh, a mad scientist, a 48-inch driver, um, we're not sure how that produces more distance. I know there's been uh, debate on uh, longer drivers producing more distance, but uh, the movement in the last several years is players moving away from 45, 46-inch drivers and back to 44-inch, 43-inch drivers and hitting it just as far. Uh, so he's going to be experimenting in that. Uh, I don't know the science on it. I don't know. I haven't studied it. Um, so, uh, more power to him. He's got a five degree lofted driver. His and putter it, head has more loft than his driver. Yeah. Head. He's got a seven degree loft on his putter, which is remarkable. I mean, most putters have two degrees, two, two, two and a half, three degrees of loft. And that's to get the ball just up in the, in the air, just a little bit. So it can roll seven degrees. It's like, my goodness, I, that's like a one iron <laughs> and <laughs> almost. And so it's, it's hard to understand how that, uh, how that works in putting with a driver. I have no idea. I think 
and I think his contribution to the game is not going to be so much on the physical side, but on the mental side or his impact, how we think about playing the game and how professionals, this is where I've, I heard some doubt in Rory's, uh, in his quote is what am I going to do to keep yeah. up? What do I have to do? And that's a guy who's in the top five in driving distance on the PGA tour right now. Yeah. He may not he have to do anything Yeah, because I, I'll guarantee Bryson DeChambeau is not going to win every major going forward. And I don't think he's ever going to, uh, uh, to equal Tiger's accomplishments. I think there's too many good players around now, but he will impact a lot of young players as to how am I going to develop my body to be able to take advantage of a golf course? Yep. And uh, what do I have to do physically? And so that that's the mental impact he's going to have on the game is that people are going to think about how they play the game and how they prepare themselves as professionals quite differently. Well, and well, that'll lead us into our tip segment, maybe for people that um, are starting to go, well, what do I need to do? Okay. If I'm going to swing out of my shoes for a drive, trying to get as much distance as I can out of my swing, what, what do I need to do? How do I start changing how I practice or build my body? Those sorts of things. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there as we make the turn here. Uh, still to come, Frank Tellerico Jr., the new CEO of the Pacific Northwest section. Tips for your game from award-winning PGA instructor Harold Bluestein. It's time to Ask the Pro on Golf in the Northwest. Brought to you on the fan by Laurelhurst Market. 834 here this morning. Jason Swigart, Harold Bluestein with you, taking you up to the top of the hour. Center and State will take over there. Uh, coming up in about 10 minutes or so, Frank Tellerico Jr., uh, who's the new CEO for the Pacific Northwest section of the PGA going to join us and uh, talk about coming up, uh, spent 20 years in Southern California and has uh, come up here to the Northwest and uh, what his vision is for uh, the, the PGA chapters in the, in the section, as well as uh, the golf industry here in the Northwest in the coming years. But uh, we continue on. We're talking about Bryson DeChambeau, his win, what it could mean uh, now that he has come up and uh, has a chance. Uh, he has a chance to be the number one ranked player in the world at some point here if he can keep this going but in terms of you know I heard some comments between Golf Channel and in the guys on uh, the coverage talking about the incentive for young golfers coming up uh, people going teach these young kids how to hit it as hard and as far as they can given their bodies their bodies will develop they will get stronger as they age and grow bigger and get stronger but even a younger age that the incentive now that it is clear how much distance matters. And is that going to change your, I mean, one of your big pushes has been development of the game. You teach teachers, you do stuff for high school golf coaches uh, everywhere and trying to keep up with the times and, and evolve in the education and the teaching of the game. Is this going to be, there's, there's no point with the driver, just hit it as hard as you can. Well, I can tell you that if you know, I could just see these these middle-aged guys who are overweight and out of out of shape coming to the uh 
coming to the range with their brand new Cobra 48 or 50 inch driver and say, I'm going to hit this ball. You know, when I was uh, 20, I could hit it 300 yards. Yeah. um, That's just garbage. The, uh, and they're going to be out there. They're going to try and buy a game. You got to understand Bryson DeChambeau started by developing his body. So I've always been rather concerned about, uh, teachers who instruct their young kids to to swing as hard and as fast as they can. It's a certain element of that, but you have to realize the body's developing. And it's not fully yeah. developed until players are about 20. Uh, and that can vary on uh, depending on the player. But it's it's learning to swing fast without injury. And so... Duchambeau started by developing his body first. And I know Chris Como worked with him on that. So the science was build the body up, get it stronger. Uh, and so they are really in training, in physical training to do that. The equipment is secondary, and they're going to goof around with that and experiment with it. But it, it really starts with the body. And I can tell you that that most people, and I don't care whether you think you can hit it further. You, everyone can hit it a little further. Uh, step one is find the center of the club face. Um, but, or step two. Step one is get yourself a trainer and learn and get yourself yeah. in physical good condition. Um, it depends on what you find in the game, what's important to you. If it's just going out there and, and gripping it and ripping it, then then you better you better get in shape to do it or you're gonna hurt yourself. Um it's if it's to have a good time, uh, then it's a little less important right. for that to hit it further. But uh talk to your PGA instructor, yeah. have them uh come up with a program uh and we all know trainers and we've had trainers on the show. Yep. I, uh, and I'm going to be going to mine. Not that I want to hit it further. I would just want to continue to, to, to maintain what I do have. What we learned at the U S open and the way that the USGA set that golf course up is that when you narrow fairways, you not only hit hurt the long hitter, but you also hit hurt, the short hitter. So they narrowed the fairways to a point where they hurt everybody in the field. Well, now who does that give the advantage to? It gives the advantage to the long hitter yeah. again. Yep. If everybody's hitting it sideways. Absolutely. So they yeah. didn't do anything to the, in that respect. I, uh, and we, I, I'm sure you have more questions about the, about how to hit it further, but I, well, yeah, I guess, yeah, getting the body. What if you want to maximize the distance that's within you? Mm-hmm. Then where you, club you, head speed, club hand head speed. speed. Yep. So and, what are the things that you need to do in that body preparation? Well, and, stabilize your lower body, number one, and we and that's all, what we've been working on. Yeah, and and we think that club head speed is just just about the hand speed. Well, it is, but speed and and length comes from the ground up so it comes from the ground up and from our core out and our core out through our hands and into the club 
So you need to stabilize your lower body, and that's where you need a trainer to help you learn how to do that. Most of us have saggy glutes, bad hamstrings, uh, you know, the muscles we need to hit the golf ball uh, far and to stabilize the lower body. Uh, it just they don't work. And uh, now we've had um, super speed, um, Mike Patch on yep. the show. Yep with uh, Super Speed Golf. And that is a very, very good program to learn how uh, you can do it at home. I have, and developing speed. Uh, Orange Whip, where I want to get uh, Bert Nelson or someone yep. from Orange Whip back on because they now have a new program out to develop that lower body and build hand speed. Um, but those two in combination are a good start. And those are things you can go online. Now, be careful when you go online and they talk about hitting the ball further and they say, well, you got to turn your hips faster. Well, you can turn your hips too fast uh, and your hands don't keep up. Uh, and then you got a problem. So you have to learn something about uh, your, your body in particular and how it synchronizes those motions. Um, but be careful what you get online because I just went online to see what was there. And, I mean, there's a million different ways. Yeah. Here's the quickest way to hit well, the ball further. And yeah. you, There's be, gimmicks and then there's plans. Yeah, be careful with that. Um, it's uh, And I mean, I've, I've had we, – yeah, We've always recommended get with a PGA teaching professional. And right. that's they, – they can help. They're reviewing all of this stuff. There's stuff within the industry and – uh, seminars and education for them about, you know, the evolution, what's the latest and greatest, what's new, a new way to look at it, but also it, they're vetted through the industry to make sure that it's not something that's going to be detrimental to, to your health or your game. Right. And if you notice in the last, uh, I know as an instructor in the last 10 or 15 years, the movement towards science is huge. It started with video and it's gotten into every aspect yeah. of science to make us better players. That's why you see players in better condition and hitting the ball further. Uh, if your your PGA instructor uh, uses uh, TrackMan mm -hmm. or KVest, uh, some sort of uh, teaching device that helps them to understand the student's body and how they can get the best performance out of it, that's the way to go. Well, we'll see uh, what else uh, is in store for the industry. Our next guest, Frank Tallarico Jr., is the new CEO of the Pacific Northwest section of the PGA. Uh, he just took over at the start of the month, so we'll get an uh, idea of how he's making the adjustment coming up from Southern California and what he sees for the industry here in the Northwest as we come down the stretch. It's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. Which new driver is best for your game? Who makes the best golf gear? Where should you take your next golf vacation? Which local course should you get to know better? This is the business of golf every week on Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. 846 here this morning. Jason Swigard with Harold Blue Stein uh, wrapping up another edition of Golf in the Northwest. Uh, Center and Saint will take over after us at 9. But right now, very pleased to uh, have joining us for the first time. Uh, the new CEO of the Pacific Northwest section of the PGA, Frank Tallarico, who uh, comes up here to the Northwest after uh, two decades, serving as the lead of the Southern California PGA Foundation. Frank, thanks so much for uh, joining us here this morning. And we'll start just uh, how has the uh, move and the transfer been up here to the Pacific Northwest? 
Well, thanks for having me, guys. I, uh, it's a pleasure to be on the radio with you this morning. It's been fantastic uh, to say I'm excited and, and, uh, and pleased to be in the Pacific Northwest would be the understatement of the day. Frank, uh, when I've looked at uh, jobs out there or career uh, changes, I actually had to because they canned me. But in your case, what was it about this particular position, the CEO position uh, within the PGA that appealed to you? Well, as you said in the intro, my career in golf began 22 years ago when uh, I received a phone call uh, from a, a mutual friend who was then working at the Southern California PGA section asking if I would be interested in talking to him and the CEO of the section at the time about starting a foundation with the section focused on growing the game of golf, particularly for kids 7 to 17 years old. You fast forward 22 years and you know, I've, I've still stayed involved. I've served as the chair of that foundation for the last four years, and my phone rings again. And, you know, you could agree that the best jobs find you. You don't find them. And, and the idea that uh, I was getting a phone call asking me if I'd like to throw my hat in the ring uh, to become the CEO of, you know, the largest section geographically in the country, uh, a section that has a reputation of running probably the finest tournament program in the country, uh, and I'd be a fool not to be interested in that position. So, you know, I, I was I was honored and pleased that it found me, and, and it's hard to say no to a position like this one. So uh, for our listeners who may not know, uh, we are the largest section. There are 41 sections in the PGA. Uh, and how does this uh, – how does your office serve the professional, and how does it assist the professional in serving the public? So, I mean, the, 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 the vision and mission of the section is real simple, which is probably, probably a good thing so we can always stay focused. It's grow the game and serve the member. And, and you, you know, hit it on the head, Harold, and it's, it's how do I serve and how do we as a staff and a section serve the PGA member so that they in turn can serve the public because we should never forget that the PGA member is an expert in this game of golf. And, and really, uh, first you have to appreciate the PGA member wears lots of hats, uh, you know, anything from a junior golf leader to a teacher to a, a, a businessman and a marketer, um, and our job is to ensure that those members are always, without compromise, enjoying best-in-class services you know, across these different disciplines so that they are always at the top of their game and always in a position to always deliver quality, quality instruction, quality services, quality information to the general public. Frank Tallarico, our guest, the new CEO of the Pacific Northwest section of the PGA. And uh, as you mentioned, kind of uh, doing a lot of inside support to the, the five chapters. The geographic area is vast. It's different. Uh, you've got uh, areas like Portland and Seattle where it's a uh, large uh, metropolitan area and then extremely rural areas out in Montana, uh, Idaho, eastern Washington and Oregon. Uh, how do you see, you know, th th a lot of different needs. You've got resort golf in certain areas. Uh, how do you start to put together a plan as an organization that's overseeing everything to, to do things that can benefit all those different areas uh, of the country here when it comes to golf? Well, a couple of things. You know, first and foremost, it, 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 you're right. It's a very disparate, <clears throat> pardon me, disparate section. So you've got five different chapters with five very different demographic profiles. But the one common denominator is the role of the PGA member in those sections. You know, that being said, 
uh, we're very fortunate in that despite the distance between any two chapters, you've got a very tight-knit, very, very tight-knit professional association of members. And so because of that, uh, you can rely on them from the chapter structure to really you know, look into their own chapters and give us the regular and recurring feedback that we need uh, to know how best to serve them. So you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful place to be when you're surrounded by professionals who take their profession very, very seriously, and these members certainly do. Frank, it's been a rough year, and we saw uh, – I serve on the board of directors of the section, and we've been dealing with the pandemic issue uh, for, ever since March. And then we had a change from Jeff Ellison to your uh, coming in. Uh, where do we go from here? How do we monitor and continue to grow the game when we're in some ways restricted? Well, you know, as you said, the shutdown affected everyone and affected affected all businesses and courses and practice facilities were obviously not immune to that. I I tend to be uh, very, very optimistic on the rebound um, across most businesses, but especially in the business of golf. I think the, the numbers thus far are, are proving that to be true. I mean, even as quickly as May, so when things started to loosen up, Harold, I mean, you started to see 22% more you know, rounds of golf scores posted to the USGA over the previous year. Uh, in Oregon, Woodburn, for example, saw 800 rounds over Memorial Day weekend. That's twice as many as the prior year. And, you know, what gives me a lot of hope is the idea that this happened uh, before the PGA Tour even came back. So it wasn't necessarily the influence of seeing, you know, famous PGA Tour players on TV and that motivating maybe your, your, uh, your, your loyal golfer to come back out onto the golf course. I think that you've got all those folks, but I think you've got a whole new group of, of golfers coming out now, too. And, and, you know, one of the things that I think, and it's almost ironic, it used to be that one of the challenges for the game of golf uh, typically was that, it, you know, people had concerns over how long it took to play a round of golf. Some folks say it's, you know, five, five and a half hours for a round of golf. That sort of vanishes when you've been locked up for a while and you want to get outside and enjoy some fresh air and, and maybe some, some friendship on the golf course. So on how, how this golf industry is coming back, and I think it's going to continue on a strong trajectory. How we serve that, that, uh, that rebound, we have to make sure that, that our programs are staying ahead of the curve. We have to make sure that the members are prepared for what I think is going to be an increase in demand, how best to deliver those services to this maybe new population of golfers, and always remind the population out there that who wants to play golf that you, know, you got a question or you have an interest or maybe you've been playing golf and you want to refine your game your first call should be a PGA member. Frank Tellerico is our guest, the new CEO of the Pacific Northwest section of the PGA. Uh, the other issue we saw, Mike Davis, uh, who's been the CEO of the USGA now for a number of years, uh, announced publicly he will be stepping down soon. There has always seemed to be some sort of friction or tension between the USGA and the local uh, state, uh, you know, the OGA here in Oregon and the PGA. Uh, how do you see this as an opportunity, whoever might be stepping in uh, for Mike Davis, as well as working with the uh, local uh, golf associations in each of the states that you now, uh, how do you see this synergy maybe be able to become closer together and be more in the interest of uh, the general public and, and the, the recreational golfers moving forward? Yeah, it's a real good question, and, and, and one that actually I've, I've dealt with personally over the last 22 years, having been involved in Southern Cal, obviously, uh, these are our allied associations. Uh, if you look at it, they're, 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 they're two halves of a handshake. 
the USGA is typically regarded as, as representing the interests and, and of the game as well as the, that of the amateur player, and the PGA is, is there to, to grow the game and to serve the amateur golfer. So this is a real opportunity to ensure that we're, we, we are coming together as both hands of that handshake and really you know, being mindful, not of our own personal interests and agendas, but really focusing on how do we best serve that amateur uh, who's coming out to our golf courses, who's, who's seeking lessons from our, from our professionals, who wants to get fitted with clubs at our, at our golf courses. So this is a real opportunity for the USGA to, to really embrace the idea of working together with the PGA of America. Frank, we've got a real challenge right now with, uh, you know, we, we're doing fine with our pro-ams and some of, some of our tournaments, but we are struggling to raise money for charities through uh, some of these pro-ams and tournaments. How do we, how do we help? And this is a great, um, this is one of the efforts the PGA of America and the tour make every year, and that is to contribute to charities. How do we go about continuing that uh, in this uh, era of the pandemic? I think we have to start thinking differently. I think it's time for us to, you know, maybe not necessarily put all of our proverbial, you know, dollars and cents, eggs in one basket, because when things like a pandemic hit, the basket will finally be empty. Uh, I think that there's real opportunity for partnerships with, that maybe we haven't seen before with corporate America. And I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the idea that, as we've already discussed, you know, as we come out of this pandemic and we see that, that golf is, is enjoying some very robust growth, that the golf, the golf industry is going to be a wonderful vehicle for corporate America to partner with as we come out of this and together uh, help one another grow our respective brands. As a result of that, we're going to see revenue increase with the flexibility to participate in charitable endeavors. So I think it's a question of looking at this differently. I, I think the days of, you know, let's, let's do a charity golf tournament and hopefully we'll have, you know, a full field and, and folks are going to, you know, spend extra at the auction. I think those days are, I don't say they're over, but they have to be complemented with some new thinking. Well, we look forward to uh, your leadership. Unfortunately, we're out of time here. We'd love to have you back uh, once you get your uh, uh, feet settled and start to get into the job. Frank Tallarico, the new CEO of the uh, Pacific Northwest section of the PGA. Thanks so much. Best of luck. And uh, we look forward to talking with you again soon. Thanks, gentlemen. There you go, Frank Tallarico. Uh, so much more. We could have gone on for another hour with him. We'll get him back uh, as he's able to start setting more of an agenda. But looking forward to uh, what he brings to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, that was an interesting comment. He Last comment he made about thinking differently. He's a very innovative person, thinks outside the box. And I we're at a period of time now where... We really have to think differently. Yep. No question. Center and Saint up next. Thanks to Will Darkins, as always, uh, producing for Harold. I'm Jason. Hit him straight. Pulled up the sack out on the sidewalk at the street and right. just see if you can aim it in there from the porch. Look, I'm, I'm in the rough quite a bit. So. Yeah, you are. These are getting creamed. <laughs> you know how easy I am. Yeah, I know. Peaches in Europe. Uh. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.